And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We hear this from St. Paul in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And this work of equipping the saints for the building up of the body of Christ is still carried on in hundreds of thousands of Catholic parishes after almost 2,000 years. In his work as a priest and an evangelist in the Diocese of Fort Worth, Father Eric Voles shares the Word of God with us that we might be built up into the fullness of Christ. Now, from All Saints Anglican Church, here is Father Eric Voles equipping the saints. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, one God. You may be seated. While Christ is in our midst, we are gathered here together on this All Saints Sunday, our patrinal feast where we come together as a parish family and remember our patron. In our case, we're incredibly lucky. We don't have to pick one. We get all of them. So we get all the saints. And today, as we said, the litany of the saints, reminding ourselves of those who have gone before us in the faith, the Blessed Mother of God, Mary Most Holy, the Apostles, the early saints, the deacons, the martyrs, those great saints who have gone before us in faith. Many who have given their life for Jesus Christ by giving up the ultimate sacrifice of a martyrdom with their blood. Many who gave up their life in a white martyrdom, dedicating their life to Christ by pursuing holiness and seeking to be all that Christ has called them to be. And becoming examples to us of what it really means to be a Christian. In our gospel today, we see Jesus in the Beatitudes giving us a few of the blesseds, and we all are familiar with these. But have we really understood what Jesus was trying to say? The church has always saw the Beatitudes as the manual, if you will, the pathway in which if we emulate these virtues, if we enter into these blessed ways of living and thinking and talking and being, it is through these things, in addition to prayer, fasting and almsgiving, that we ourselves make our progress in our faith to become saints ourselves. It is so easy for us to look around and to see the beautiful icon. St. George is in the, in, the, in the hall over there. I hope you go and see the chapel. It's, it's, it's wonderful in there. Great job. It is so tempting for us to see the saints as sort of our own version of like Michael Jordan or, you know, Tom Brady or, or whatever. It's so easy for us to see these saints sort of as these celestial heroes, and they are. But ultimately, what the saint really is, is a reflection that I look into and that I emulate to see what I am called to be as a Christian. Today, we celebrate all saints. At the beginning of the service, we sang that song of prayer and love, a song of pleading, a song to the Lord and to the saints in light to have mercy on us, to pray for us, that the great cloud of witnesses would cheer us on, pray for us and encourage us and spur us on in our own faith as we wait for our day to join them. And this is a reminder to us on this great day that the church has always believed until the movement and the radical, or those in the radical Reformation movement that the saints, the Holy One, those who have gone before us 
those who have been lifted up by the church as examples and as powerful intercessors for us are really alive, that they are with Christ, that they are worshiping him at his throne, as we read in the book of Revelation, and that they are worshiping today with us and praying with us and for us before the throne of Christ in the heavenly glory. Perhaps you've missed this in the Eucharist every Sunday. When we begin the beginning of the Mass, our church declares this truth. When we say, therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name. We pronounce every Eucharist that we, the people of God on earth, are united with the angels and saints in glory in heaven and offering our united worship to him. When we come to the Mass, when we come to the Divine Liturgy, when we come to the services of the Eucharist, heaven and earth collide, the veil is removed, and we are ushered up, and they are ushered down with us, and we as one church worship the Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. We saw this in the book of Revelation this morning where St. John gets a vision into the heavenly worship where he sees around the throne all the angels, the martyrs, the elders, the saints, worshiping around the throne. And during that worship, later in the book of Revelation, we see that the angels and the saints bring censers of incense to the throne in a holy cloud. And St. Paul says these are the prayers of the saints, meaning these are the prayers of the church on earth. You may have wondered why we use incense at many of our services. We do that because that's how they worship in heaven. And we, as we lift our prayers, you can see this cloud right now. These are our prayers being lifted up. And in the worship in heaven, the angels and the saints are offering these prayers to God on our behalf. Truly, the whole church is one, worshiping, praying, and giving thanksgiving to God. Therefore, a knowledge of and a relationship with the saints is vital for the spiritual life and for the worship life of believers and the church as a whole. Why? Well, first and foremost, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, which we profess in our creed, set apart the Blessed Virgin Mary as the saint of saints and the most powerful intercessor for the Christian In the early church, prayers and hymns were sung in all the services of the church. And again, until the Protestant Reformation, which largely ripped the saints out of the life and spirituality of the church, this belief, this understanding, this expectation, hope, and joy in the saints was taught and professed everywhere and always and by all. Here's what one early church, uh, well, one writer commenting on the early church said. He said this just about the Virgin Mary, and we'll talk about the other saints too. He said this, The most holy mother of God prays for us ceaselessly. She is always visiting us. Whenever we turn to her in our heart, she is there. After the Lord, she is the greatest protection for mankind. How many churches there are in the world that are dedicated to the most holy mother of God, or in our case, a chapel. How many healings spring where people are cured of their ailments have sprung up in places 
where the most holy Theotokos, the mother of God, appeared and blessed those springs to heal both the sick and the healthy. He continued, she is constantly by our side and off too often we forget her. Another example. In one of the ancient liturgies of the church, the divine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the church still that does this today, the Eastern Orthodox churches still say this liturgy. And throughout all the prayers of the church and in the Eucharist, they say this prayer over and over again. And some of it, a part of it, will actually be familiar to you. Commemorating our most holy, pure, blessed, and glorious lady, the Theotokos, the ever Virgin Mary, with all the saints, and you'll remember this part, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. Does that sound familiar? Every, every service of the prayers of the people, we end on that. Guess what? We stole it. And we cut out the part that's most important. This is the first prayer. In the West, which we of our tradition come from, traditionally, after each prayer service of the Mass and the morning evening prayer offices, the people would sing the following hymn. This hymn is called the Salve Regina. It's called the Hail Holy Queen. We're not used to hearing this stuff because it's been wiped out and whitewashed out of the churches, many. Not our diocese, but many have. Here's this prayer, and it's part of the rosary if you pray the rosary. At the end, here's this prayer. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning, and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And the prayer goes like this. Almighty and everlasting God, who by the work of thy Holy Spirit didst prepare both body and soul of the glorious Virgin Mother Mary, that she might deserve to be made a worthy dwelling for thy Son. Grant that we who rejoice in her memory may by her loving intercession be delivered from present evils and from lasting death through the same Christ our Lord. Now that's the church's tradition just on the Blessed Virgin Mary. But in addition to the Holy Theotokos, the Virgin Mother of God, the church has also venerated and honored the lives of other holy men and women and lifted them up, as I said before, as examples and intercessors for the church. A Russian saint, St. John Kronstadt, wrote this, We ought to have the most lively spiritual union with the heavenly inhabitants with all the saints, apostles, prophets, martyrs, prelates, venerable and righteous men, as they are all members of one single body, the church of Christ, to which we sinners also belong, and the living head of which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is why we call upon them in prayer, converse with them, thank and praise them, it is urgently necessary for all Christians to be in union with them if they desire to make Christian progress. For the saints are our friends, our guides to salvation, who pray and intercede for us continually.
what else do we know from the history of the church of how we looked at the saints that we celebrate today? But what about our devotional practices? Things like lighting candles here and in the back. He also said this about that practice. The candles lit before icons or statues of the saints reflect their ardent love for God for whose sake they gave up everything that man prizes in life, including their very lives, as did the holy apostles, martyrs, and others. So these candles also mean that these saints are lamps burning for us and providing light for us by their saintly living, their virtues, and their ardent intercession for us before God through their constant prayers by day and night. The burning candles also stand for our ardent zeal and the sincere sacrifice we make out of reverence and gratitude to them for their solitude on our behalf before God. Why do we light the candle? You see them lit in the back and over here now. We light the candles as reminders that this prayer is being brought into heaven and the candle keeps burning, keeps burning, reminding us that the saints and Christ himself who intercedes on our behalf are constantly praying and that that prayer has been received into the arms of Jesus, into the arms of Christ. In fact, in the early church, a heresy arose. A heresy which rejected the making of icons and other images of the Lord and of the saints. This heresy rose to power through the influence of Islam, which was iconoclastic, destroying all images. These iconoclasts back in the 7th century and the 8th century tried to remove and to destroy all religious art that depicted the saints, Christ, or even these. Imagine living in a time where it was considered okay for people to come and break all these windows and take all of our things out of here and call us idolaters. During that time, the chief defender of the icons, the images, was St. John of Damascus, who was actually living under Islamic rule. And as he held fast in that country, he wrote the following in defense of the images. He said, Possibly a contentious unbeliever will maintain that we worship images in our churches, and they are convicted of praying, convicted, convinced, sorry, of praying to lifeless idols. Far be it from us to do this. Faith makes Christians, and God, who cannot deceive, works miracles. We do not rest content with mere coloring, with the material picture. Before our eyes, we see the invisible God through the, through the visible representation and glorify Him as if He was present, not as a God without reality, but as a God who in the essence is being. He continued, Nor are the saints who we glorify fictitious. They are in being, meaning alive, and are living with God, and their spirits are being holy. They help by the power of God those who deserve and need their assistance. This was the 6th, 7th, 8th century. In the, in the end, the continuing teaching of the ancient faith, our, our faith of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, was to honor, venerate, 
and plead for the prayers of the saints. To study, to imitate and emulate their lives. To honor and to venerate their memory. And to ask for their prayers as we toil through our own pilgrimage until we reach the land of light ourselves. In closing, St. John, who I quoted earlier, said this. What does the daily invocation of the saints signify? Of differing ones each day during the whole year and during our whole life. He said, it signifies that God's saints, as our brethren, but perfect, live and are near us and ever ready to help us by the grace of God. We live together with them in the house of our Heavenly Father, only in different parts of it. We live in the earthly, they live in the heavenly half. But we can converse with them and they with us. God's saints are near to the believing heart and are ready in a moment to help those who call upon them with faith and love. As we said in that prayer earlier, we'll close with this. Commemorating our most holy, pure, blessed, and glorious Lady, the Theotokos and ever Mary, and with all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.